So, some good news this oh, week. Some amazing news, really. Good. We need it. Um, yeah, no, I won the Euro Millions lottery. Well, that's fantastic. Our money problems are over. Well, I wouldn't go that far. But, uh, you know, because I, I do it occasionally. I, when it, you know, I, I, early days, I, I sort of thought it was daft. I didn't do it at all. And then I kept thinking, well, surely the Lord would want me to win. Of you know, 170 million euros or something. Um, oh, so anyway, I did it. I did it last week because when you're moving house, you're thinking of all the expense, and you think, oh, I could do with that money. And I had this email through saying you're a winner. Oh, fabulous! I wonder where this is going. <laughs> Go on. Well, I clicked on it, and do you know what I won? What? Two pound forty. <laughs> That's great. Congratulations! How much was the ticket? Was two pound fifty. So, in, a, in actual fact, I'm down ten p. <laughs> don't let it change you. Welcome, everybody, to episode 231 of the Midfaith Crisis podcast. My name, I believe, is Nick Page, and uh, there is Joe Davis. And, um, well, I have apologised now. I have no idea what this is going to sound like because no. I am sitting amongst just, I, I don't know what it is, wreckage, really. Where are you, exactly? So we moved out of our house uh, yesterday, Yeah. having put all our stuff into storage the week before. And uh, although not as much of our stuff into storage as we thought we'd put in, because moving out yesterday was extremely stressful and traumatic. And we were still moving stuff out as people were moving in. It was awful. It was absolutely awful. Uh, So we're actually staying with friends. So I've literally got home from work and sort of set this up on a table. I don't, who knows? (laughs) Who knows? It does sound stressful. I thought I was stressed, but your life does sound stressful. (laughs) It's it's been, I mean, yesterday was absolutely manic. I walked 15 miles yesterday, and that was just trips to and from the car. Oh, God. I didn't do anything else. Oh, gosh. Um, it, it felt absolutely hideous. But but we're here, and I won the Euro Millions, and what, what more? Yeah, exactly. Say? There's you know. so much to give thanks for. <laughs> there is a lot. Anyway, how are you? Let's cut. We'll come back to my horror. Yes, yes, how we'll come you? back to you. Well, you know, I, I feel I've got nothing to complain about. I, I'm busier than, as I said before, than I've ever been. And I'm grateful for that in many ways. But I am extremely tired. Um, but I have been to the cinema a couple of times. Watched The Fablemans. Have you seen, I, I'm assuming you haven't had time to. No, 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 of course not. Well, uh, the Fablemans I found uh, rather good. Um, so this is the sort of slight Steven Spielberg biopic. And uh, yeah, it's really just interesting, the characters and the people. And then I went to see Women Talking, not actual women. I mean, a film called Women Talking um, on Monday. And that is uh, it's, it's actually quite an amazing film, I think, um, of, of interest to some uh, because... It's about forgiveness and authority and power in this kind of little uh, sect, Christian sect, and how when the men abuse that power, how the women seek to resolve 
the issue really and uh, it's fascinating i love one line for it. i mean no spoilers but there's a great line in it that says our faith is stronger than the rules and i thought that mm, was really great. really brilliant yeah, yeah. you know really fascinating so yeah i mean it's not a laugh a minute i'll say that but it's uh, it's a good film mm. um yeah other than that i've been working and uh, oh and, and oh well yes last friday i had an incident there was a fire at the crematorium well, there's always a fire at the <laughs> crematorium. That is the, the very nature of a crematorium. Isn't no, it? yeah, I know. But actually, I mean, I have to say, I don't know how they do it. It's a very smoke-free crematorium. But there I was leading a service on Friday. Right. <laughs> it had been a long day. It was the afternoon service. And uh, suddenly I became aware that there was a lot of white smoke outside. And then I became aware, because the windows are open, because it had been a bit stuffy. I've done the service before as well, and that uh, there was a sort of unmistakable smell of bacon. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I sort of, I thought this, I know this isn't right. This is, something is wrong here. So I, <laughs> so I sort of finished the service as quickly and promptly as I could and pushed a button for the closing music. Rick Astley, never going to give you up, pumping out nice and loud. And at that point, the chapel attendant came rushing in and said, right, get everybody out now. Everybody out. There's a fire. And there was a fire. Dear. So, yes, something had gone wrong with the door. That's all I know. So that made for an end. And, you know, I'm so, I'm so worried for the family and I'm, so, I'm really sorry about this. And then, and then, you know, I ring them on Sunday just to see how they're doing. But they all took it in very good humour and no one was hurt and it was all fine and they cleared it up. And in fact, an hour later, they were getting on with uh, another, the last service of the day. So, yeah, oh, extraordinary. Wow. Okay. I passed the fire engines on the way home. <laughs> they say my life's not dull there's all that excitement going on no that's that's amazing yeah <laughs> yeah that's been going oh by the way have you watched everyone else burns on channel four yet did i mention this to you before oh i know about it no i haven't watched it's it. just very funny and i think you'll like it it's, it seems to be a documentary about Ethel's church. It basically is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you want to know more about Ethel's sad old person's church, watch Everyone Else Burns. It's on Channel 4. It's very funny. So listen, let's let, come on. Tell me how your life is. What's going on? Well, um, I, f- I feel a bit conflicted about t- uh, talking about it, not only because it's sort of personal issues, but also because, you know, when you're talking about housing, so many people just don't have anywhere to yeah, live yeah. at all and yeah, don't have yeah. anyone to put them up. And people are struggling with bills. So me, you know, selling my home or struggles with that, that just seems like mm. an indulgence. But it has been extremely stressful. And uh, we sort of, we we put all our stuff into storage last week and then we slept on the floor for a while. Um, and then, and then, as I said yesterday, which should have been a sort of quite a, calm day of saying goodbye to a family home was in fact an emergency evacuation um (laughs) so i feel like i haven't gone through any of the stages of grief for my house really i've just gone through stages of annoyance with the whole process oh well you're in anger that's good (laughs) oh okay okay well maybe i'm I'm getting there that's good um so i'm very grateful for for our friends who who are putting us up and um and i'm thankful for what i have i'm thankful for what i have i'm very tired very stressed i have i'm not really stressed actually i'm too tired now i'm out anyway it's done it's it's dusted and and what i do realize and claire and i've been reflecting on is just how much stuff we have 
Oh, yeah. We just have... Scary. And we've got rid of loads of stuff, but we still have too much. It's 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 that you, you kind of want to live that minimalist lifestyle, but it's it. Yeah, it's hard. Mind you, a lot of what you had was books. And that's a good thing to surround yourself with, I always think. Yeah, but possibly not 50 boxes of them. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, and a lot of the minimalist stuff, when people say a minimalist lifestyle, you always wonder, well, what's behind the cupboard doors? <laughs> you know, kind of, you know, it's all it's got lovely white, lovely white cupboards, and you think, I know what's behind those doors. Everything has been crammed in there. You're so cynical. Um, no, it just it, it 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 does sort of. I I just think, well, we're built on this consumer society now, and and mm. we bought into it, and so anyway, um, that's a bit of reflection I need to do on. But apart from that, I'm I'm okay. We're all in one piece, and uh, we've got a roof over our heads, and and uh, here I am. Well, it's good to see you, buddy. And do send me your friend's address so I can send them a with sympathy card. Yes, they, they, they're they undergoing counselling even as we speak, <laughs> really. <laughs> so, um, without more ado, let's go on and do some feedback and, and see if we can actually make a podcast happen. OK, so um, uh, we had this one um, from someone who sent in a picture entitled Greetings from Sir Harold Hillier's Garden. This is actually from mm-hmm. Victorian Giles. And they, they sent a picture of a, a berry from a yew tree. Now, that may sound a bit random, but evidently the seed inside that said berry is very hard. So they seem to be suggesting that the bird may have eaten that before it scratched your windscreen. Those who listened last time will know what we're talking about. Um, so um, there you go. Could have been a, a yew tree that scratched you, your car, ultimately, or your car windscreen. Well, uh, you know, uh, I OK, I'm I'm balancing an interest in that with a still a deep sense of grievance and <laughs> yeah, anger. Fair enough. But there we are. The listeners care for us. They do. But thank you very much. It is interesting. Um, and then we, we had this one from Isabel and she says this. Hi, Joe. I hope you're keeping well. I'm still loving the podcast 18 months in. So thank you for still doing it. That's good going. That's steady. Steadfast, I call that. Um, he said, I wanted to ask for some advice. I left my church nearly two years ago as I wanted to have conversations like your podcast, but my church wasn't the place to have them. Since then, I've not gone anywhere. Rather, I listen to podcasts, pray and reflect when I can. I've started to want to go back to a church community, but struggle to find anywhere local I feel I could start having these conversations. I miss being part of a community and the accountability a church community can support. This week, as part of random conversations, people have suggested three churches I should go to. One local, two not so local. It got me thinking, what does church look like for me right now? Can I find a church community that is not local and be part of it? But what does that look like for working in that community? Is going to a church not local like going to Spring Harvest or Greenbelt? It's more like it's more about intentionally making myself available to meet God in a church. And that's a good first step back to a local church. Or is it better to find a local church and local community? But what happens if it's not aligned to more open conversations? Neither option feels quite right, but not sure what the other options could be. I'd really appreciate your thoughts on this as I want to try and start getting involved in something. I just feel cautious about doing it. Thanks, Isabel. So that's that's a good question, isn't it? It's a bit like the should I stay or should I go, which often comes up uh, in our emails. But um, yeah, local or not local, I think, is the question there. Yeah, I I think, I I mean it's it's hard it's it's almost impossible I think to mm. to give a 
a clear and simple answer to this because a church has to nourish you in so many different ways. Does it? Um, (laughs) That's the idea. (laughs) Is that what I was supposed to be doing? Well, well, you know, it has to. You have to respond yeah. to it. You respond sure. to a church on all kinds of different levels, yeah. and often not the main level. So people sometimes go to a church where, actually, the theology is not necessarily uh, resonant with them, but the people are yeah. friends, and you know, they they feel there's a commonality there. Um, you know, I, 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 what I do think is that the importance of church as a, and a com- some kind of community and finding the one that's right for you. Funnily enough, last week. We, I went to speak in a church, um, which I haven't done for ages. Mm. And um, it was actually the night after we'd sort of had everything moved out. So it was a kind of odd occasion to go. Mm. But Claire and I went across to it. And it's this little church. I won't say where it is because I don't think any of them listen. But it's a little church. It's been going for years and years and years. And it meets on a mm. Thursday evening. It's like another oh, one I know. I love it already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, um, and it's it's full of, uh, you know, the, what... What can we say? You know, people with individual personalities, should we say? Mm. You know, it's it's full of people with who 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 maybe don't quite fit in elsewhere, mm. and they meet, they have a meal, Great. and they just have a, a talk and a, a service, and and I I I loved it. I just get this strong sense of community from yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and that's what I think a church can give to you is that sense of belonging, even though that some I'm sure the people within that. Um, community don't all necessarily believe the same thing yeah so a church can look one thing from the outside but from the inside be very different really. i think so and also I, I mean i sort of want to say to isabel one don't don't be hung up on size of community when jesus said i will build my church i don't think he was meaning the sort of church buildings we think of now i think he might have been just saying i will be building little groups of people who meet in my name to uh try and follow me so i think that's that's one thing I also wouldn't get too caught up in frequency. I mean, we have this notion that it should always be weekly, but monthly might work out. And that, you know, what's really important is its actual community. I think sometimes, you know, churches that hold services, I don't know that the service is the main part of the community. Mm. I suspect the coffee afterwards might be, and the home groups might well be, and the other. So, so I think there's all those things. Um, to take into account but certainly it sounds like a place you need to be a to be known um yes and that and i suppose that's what isabel's getting at you you know i want to be known here but i don't want to be chucked out because i don't fall into line with others so it can be difficult to find a community and i as i said to her i think sometimes you may have to start your own uh meet with a group of people that could be your that's community. interesting yeah you yeah. might go to another church to serve in um if you if you want to serve in that way but also, I also think that the attitude with which you go back into community is really important. And I think, you know, for you, post-mid-faith crisis, I think it's it's led you to stay very much in a sort of Church of England community and to be you. And I don't, I don't often hear you getting angsty about the fact that your beliefs aren't necessarily the same as the vicar's or whatever. Um, and And I think, for me, it's taken me you know, sort of outside inst- the institutional church, still part of the Church of Jesus, I hope. Um, and and I think that the attitude needs to be one of humility. I don't know that you can do that at the start of the mid-faith crisis because I think you're probably too angry mm. <laughs> mm. a lot of the time. But I think once you can return to that place of humility and love and service and acceptance of others with different views, 
even perhaps when they can't accept you. I think that's the time to sort of re-enter, you know, and, and to start looking at all the the options that might be around you. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I One of the things she said early on, I think, in the email about, um, you know, listening to podcasts and things yeah. like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that is a, a huge thing now that many church leaders perhaps haven't quite grasped is that a lot of their congregations are in fact getting their teaching elsewhere yeah exactly you know they're they're getting it from podcasts or from from other uh, from books or from other kind of places and they're not necessarily looking to the church to supply that uh, anymore um and and i think that means that churches have to find different ways of teaching yeah um or perhaps just have to engage in conversation uh, and to be a bit more open because uh, it's, it's not that you don't do teaching it's just that you have to sort of do it in a different way I think um, and the other thing is I think it reflects is that actually if you want a balanced spiritual diet you're going to feed on different kind of foodstuffs as it were yeah and that so you're talking about me being in part of the Anglican church well I well I am uh, for that and I value that but I think I listen to other podcasts and I, I, I read other things and I, mm. I go to other events and I, I have a, a mixed spiritual diet of different kinds of things. So sometimes I think, well, I want to go to a liturgical thing. Yeah. I'll go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's that's wrong. I think that's that's healthy. Yeah. That's actually feeding, nourishing your soul. I think so. And that really works well with the sort of butterfly metaphor that we've used for the stages of faith before. You know, the butterfly starts on its own environment and all it knows is the plant it's born onto and, you know, loves it and chomps through it and eats it. But eventually that, well, I should say caterpillar, shouldn't I? That's how, that's how the caterpillar starts. But eventually the butterfly is free to flit and fly further and receive different sorts of nourishment from different plants. And I think perhaps that's a illustrative of you know we are we do as we grow become freer to select where uh we get our teaching and and what we need for the journey at a different stages yes i mean what a church cannot possibly give you everything that you want no. or need no we've exactly. often said this on the podcast yeah. that you have to take responsibility for your own spiritual development but i think perhaps one of the journeys of mid-faith crisis is that you you stop being angry at the church for not giving you everything that you need and you come back to it later on with that understanding that it won't do that and that you don't need it to do that anymore in fact yeah you you've found other sources and that what you're engaging with in church is a sense of community of people of doing life together doing faith together yeah um i do, I do think that that thing you mentioned about being known i th- that is, you need a group mm. somewhere. You need people somewhere, even if it's a one friend, two, yeah. one or two other friends who who yeah. can supply that for you. I think that's really important. Yeah, exactly right. Okay, well, shall we move on? Yeah, why not? Okay, well, Mark uh, wrote in, and he says this: "Hi, Joe. Hope you are really well. Re- really enjoying the recent episodes of MFC. Some great discussion points. Thanks to both you and Nick for the dedication and endeavour. Anyway." I have a thought for you which you might want to explore. Often in the mid-faith crisis, you mention your desire to simply follow Jesus. The question is, how do we know that we are actually doing it? What does following Jesus really look like? How does a person know that they have not made up following Jesus by rationalising other aspects of their life or imprinted their own culture onto Jesus and calling it following Jesus, if you get my drift? If I look at my own journey, many things I do have a Western consumerist individualistic bent focused almost exclusively on personal choice. I do what I want to do when I want to do it. 
is this following Jesus? I understand the biblical imperative about being moulded by the Holy Spirit and Jesus working my life to change me into his image and all that good stuff. But when you think about it for yourself, what does following Jesus really look like? Is it just cheap talk and are we just fooling ourselves? So that's Mark's question. Hmm, that was a very clear answer, isn't it? You have to grow a beard for one thing. Uh, yeah, wear sandals. But wear sandals, yeah, if you're going to be an, a disciple. I mean, I suppose the thing is, this this is not a new question. No. Um, because it, that we joke, or I mean, the vague joke there, uh, not much of one, but it's best we could do at this time. Um, you know, with the, the, the early church, of course, had a big um, argument and split about it because one of the things that people thought you had to do in order to follow Jesus was to be Jewish. Yeah. So, so literally, you know, one of the things you you had to do was was get circumcised, and so there's that big argument in Acts yeah. about whether yeah, or not yeah. that's true. So people have always um, so from the very sort of beginning enculturated yeah. <laughs> uh, a way of following Christ that wasn't aligned entirely to to his life. Yeah. And and I remember our, our our friend Trevor talking about being a disciple and following Jesus. So we can't live the life of a first century. Um, you know, Mediterranean peasant. We can't do that. That's yeah. not open to us. So we're going to have to make adjustments and, um, you know, and contextualise it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I sort of think there are some ways. I mean, you know, are we doing the things that Jesus talked about? Are we loving our neighbours? Are we forgiving people? Are we engaged in non-violent protest? Are we, do, you know, we can look at Jesus and there does seem to me there's some transcultural yes, kind of principles yes. to following yes. Jesus. And, and Jesus was a Jew. So I think, I think we can reasonably say, you know, do we act justly, love mercy and walk humbly with God? I mean, that might be a scale we could measure ourselves against. Mm. You know, and just ask, how's that going over the last year? Are we are we more following Jesus or less following Jesus in that respect? So I, th I think there must be some measures. What we need is a, a spreadsheet. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. A spreadsheet of indicators of whether you're following Jesus or not. The funny thing is, I mean, uh, again, not to bang the Renovare drum too much, although we do it a lot. You know, Dallas Willard always used to say it should be measurable. Yes, exactly. There should be some way of actually measuring whether or not you are following Jesus more authentically. Um, and, and that's difficult to quantify, I think. But people should be able to say, well, he's a he's a more peaceful person than he yeah, used to be. Yeah, more patient. He's a more forgiving person. Less anxious. Than he used to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think the thing is that following Jesus is has got to be placed in your culture, but I think you're always taking um, sort of timeless, as it were, elements and seeing how they work out in your culture. Yeah. And you might even be taking practices that uh, have changed and seeing how they work out in your culture. One of the things we know about Jesus was that he observed the Sabbath, although he, he sometimes observed it in different ways. Mm. Uh, do we do that? You know, it used to be felt that we did that by just having the most boring Sunday possible. That was the, yeah. how you did it yeah. when I was growing yeah. up. Yeah. Um, but maybe there's a different form of Sabbatarianism that we actually need to to work out in today's culture. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. I think, you know, forgiveness, uh, love, kindness, peace, yeah. um, generosity, uh, a, a, a thirst for justice. Yeah. All those things are things that are following Jesus and, and need to be um, uh, placed in our context. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, good question, and one to, I think, regularly come back to, Mark, frankly. 
Okay, shall we move on? Mm. Just let's just have one more, and this is from uh, Chris, and uh, where he sent a long email. So he said, uh, "Chaps," he says, "Thanks for a very interesting and entertaining pod. I'm a new convert to the pod, although a neighbour of mine has been recommending it to me for a while. It's the first and only Christian pod on my feed, so I'm glad to be tuning in." Oh, and then you. he says a few things. He says some nice things because he's also a keen bird watcher. And uh, he likes a good multicoloured paraclete. <laughs> well, sounds a bit, yeah, exactly. And he says this, like you two and clearly many others, although apparently a declining number in Denmark. Yes, that's true. <laughs> he says, I like to wrestle to discover meaning for the years of my life I spent in church and enjoy my current journey of cosmological exploration. He says, I've enjoyed reflecting on the tone of the pod and of the contributions of listeners. The two key questions that come to my mind in listening are, at what point is it no longer useful to use the term Christian as a label of self-identification? He says, regarding our understanding of Jesus Christ, at what point does a departure from a fully God, fully man view of Jesus put someone outside the camp of Christian thinking, even in the context of a friendly, inclusive and liberal platform like your own? For me, I rarely use the label Christian anymore to describe myself, although it still fits in some regards to my culture, belief, backgrounds and formation. He said, I consider myself to be more of a pantheist or a panentheist who sees the whole creation as the incarnation. Many of the phrases and references in the three pods I've listened to acknowledge Jesus as a highly enlightened individual who was attuned to his connection with the divine and encouraged his followers to become like him. Why I become most profoundly heretical is in suggesting that Jesus was not unique in this. I realise this does not probably reflect where most of your listeners sit. He says, also, I struggle with the idea of having a relationship with Jesus. He says, we can powerfully engage with the divine at a personal and emotional level. But for me these days, I see it an obviously anthropomorphical, have I said that right? Yeah, I think I have conflation to describe that as a personal relationship. He says, that's just me. Best wishes, Chris. So a couple of questions there. When do you when do you ditch the label Christian or do you ditch the label Christian? And and what's the having a relationship with Jesus about nowadays? Mm. I I mean we talked about the 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 you know the Jesus was he a you know sage or was he a you know mm. an enlightened individual was he God? We yeah. talked about it a couple of podcasts ago, didn't I think? Didn't I think we? we did. And um, you know I would want to argue strongly that he was more than a, a sage or a wise man, but he was that. But he was that and so much more. So I don't want to go over that ground again. I think I think the label is an interesting thing. Yeah. Because I, I was reflecting on this. I think every label goes through a sort of journey where it becomes problematical eventually. Mm. Um, and it, it, it's it's funny because it, a lot of the religious labels start as a term of abuse. Right. Um, like Christian was, you know, a mocking term to start with. So the, it sort of starts okay. as a term of abuse, becomes a means of identifying and classifying people then becomes a kind of mark of respect or orthodoxy. Mm. And then it goes back to being a term of abuse again when the thing falls out of favour. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it goes on this big journey this, yeah, in a circle. That's interesting. Um, that's good. I need to think about that. That's great. I, I, well, I think the history of most religion, most religious factions, is you end up owning the disrespectful um, label. You know, you end up like Quakers or Methodists. They were mocking um, labels to start with. Yeah. And then... People sort of own them. Um, I, I I've thought about it a lot. I I just think, well, what's the alternative? What what else would you do that is better than Christian? 
Yeah, I know. I mean, there's that kind of, you know, follower of Jesus. I mean, in some ways that sounds more jargony sometimes, mm. doesn't it? And and like more like you could be a complete nutter. Um, but I, I tend to talk more about trying to follow Jesus than I do the term Christian because it has become, it has such negative baggage attached to it. Oh, does that mean you hate gay people? Does that mean you're you know, really down on, you, you know, sex and unless it's in marriage or, do you, you know, there's a whole load of assumptions that go with the label. So I feel great empathy towards those that choose to reject the label. It does become harder when you when you say, well, what do I do? What do I call myself? So you may decide to try and redeem the label Christian but then you've got to explain yourself all the time when I say I'm a Christian I don't mean I hate gay people or I don't you know you sort of feel in certain contexts you've got to justify it it's 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 complex it's complex there isn't a simple answer to that I don't like Christian much now I'll be honest yeah well, I know you've been sort of struggling with it over the last few yeah. months I I can see this for me the problem becomes well if I jettison um the term Christian because I don't like being associated with, with some people who call themselves Christians. Mm. I'm also throwing out my association with all the people I've admired and the people I follow who were, yeah, who were exactly. okay, happy, or proud even to call themselves Christians. Yeah. I'm also throwing out my association with all the persecuted Christians around the world who stand up for that. Yeah. I, I think I'm losing much more than I'm gaining. Yeah, I mean, that's the trouble. You're identifying with Martin Luther King on the one hand, and Donald Trump on the other. So yes, which is it? Yes. You know, which is it? <laughs> well, you can't control it, though. That's the, I can't control who decides no, to call themselves true. a Christian. All I can control is what kind of Christianity I embody. Yeah. What am I going to live like? Am I yeah. going to be like Jesus, as we discussed in the last email? Yeah. Or am I going to be a hypocrite? You know, it's a challenge to me the whole time. I, 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 I do feel uncomfortable with with the co-option of the term Christian by people who are not behaving at all Christianly. But I do see that throughout history, you know, there, there have been people who have behaved like Jesus who do use the term Christian, and that's where I'm at. Yeah, and, I, you know, I tend not to use the word God much because, you know, I prefer the divine. It seems to have less baggage. But eventually I realise that people will completely, if they're not already, completely misuse that concept. And then what do you do? You've got to find another word and you've got to find another word. And it's got to, like you say, it's a bit a bit like you were saying before. There's this kind of cyclical nature to labels. And uh, yeah, it's tricky. OK, and what about what about this idea of having a relationship with Jesus? Now, that's that's interesting because we've talked about this, I think, often in the context of the kind of snoggy Jesus worship songs and and how intimate and close very like a human relationship some of those yes, words and yes. lyrics are now some of us can't relate to that kind of thing so what do you do when someone says how's your relationship with jesus yeah well it's you know it's uh, it's pretty good you know we go we go to the pub and uh, hang out um well i think this is the point of jesus isn't it this is the, one of the points of jesus is to actually enable us to have some kind of relationship with the divine with god you know I think we, of course, we're going to anthropomorphize everything because that's what we do. Yeah. Um, because we are. That's all we've got, really. Yeah. What are we? I can't remember what we are. Anthropoids, I suppose. You know. You know. We, you're going to find metaphors all the time, and the act of having a relationship with with Christ is a metaphorical act in an, in a meaning in in some ways. Yeah. Because you you have to use your imagination with it. But I I 
I think it's using your imagination to get through to a reality. Yes. Um, of of that 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 God, the divine, whatever the Trinity wants to be part of your life, wants to be involved in that. Um, and and therefore you you yeah, of course it's a metaphor. Of course it's not ideal, but it. But actually, I think used properly, it can be incredibly powerful. Um, yes, I mean, I, I feel the same way about that particular concept as 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 I do the God and the divine thing and, uh, you, you know, whatever language you use. I feel less angry about it. You know, I think there was a time if someone had come up and said, how's your relationship with Jesus? I might have just slapped them a little bit. <laughs> because <laughs> um, I would have found it irritating because I would have cynically thought they weren't asking about how I am with Jesus. They're asking, am I still following the rules or am I still going to church every week or am I still, you, you know, uh, doing what they consider to be right? So that's, you know, I, I would have reacted to the intention behind the question. Now I think that's less likely. I might just say like you, yeah, we're getting on great. We're going to the pub on Thursday. Yeah, um, exactly. So that's like, yeah. you know, I think I'd more likely just try and take the sting out of it because I feel more comfortable and relaxed in my own understanding of the divine and who Jesus is and what Jesus does reveal about the nature of God and therefore what what Jesus reveals about who I actually am. So, yes, getting less angsty about the dogma and the doctrines is definitely you know part of the journey really and going back to isabel's email i think you probably need a community to help you work through you do all these yeah. things and and this podcast is that community for me and hopefully one or two listeners as well and that's a really good point because one of the ways you have a relationship with jesus is to have a relationship with the body of christ which is the church yeah. Which is the people, however you would term that. Yeah. You know, we we embody Jesus to each other. That's how you have a relationship with uh, with with the Trinity through that. So, you know, I, I that is a that is a really good point. You know, that again, it's a kind of metaphor, but it's also a kind of reality um, to it. And, yeah. and we use this kind of stuff all the time. Um no, I think I think that's really helpful. Uh, you know, I, 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 that's what I think. I, I personally, I can only say to come back to the the last few weeks that I've been through. Um, I've been praying that I think I mentioned it on the podcast. The sort of the the the, the St. Patrick thing, uh, the the breastplate of St. Patrick. Remind us what it is. I bind unto myself today. You know, the power of the Trinity and all that kind of stuff. And Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ to my left, Christ to my right, Christ above me, Christ beneath me, Christ in the words of those who speak. You know, it's it, it's just, and I feel actually that, that saying that, imagining Christ, uh, you know, uh, uh, with me, mm. uh, it has been incredibly helpful for me. Um, I know it's an imaginative act, but it's an imaginative act based on faith. Yeah. And that, I think, uh, makes it real for me. Yeah. I think that's great. And that's a real second naivety thing, isn't it? I mean, we've talked about the second naivety, the first naivety, many times. The first naivety is that kind of saying stuff, but without really thinking about it at all. You just say it because, you know, hey, God's going to make us all happy. And then you and then your faith goes through the fire and then and then you come back to a sort of certain simplicity again. And it sounds to me like what you're saying is the simplicity you've come back to is, look, Christ is with you today and you're mm, not alone. Yeah. And and in every situation, and you can perhaps even look for Christ in every situation that you're facing. And I, and I love that. I think that's really good. And it's funny how you can go back to the old language now 
And instead of going, oh, this stuff's stupid or, oh, this doesn't make any sense or isn't it ridiculous? You can still go, yeah, like, there's some there's some good stuff there. And I can say that. And, you know, it's 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 right and it's good because you've sort of transcended and included it in your own journey somehow. I think that's great. Good. Well, I think what we should do now is uh, well, I, should, I should get back to clearing up the chaos that is all around me. <laughs> and um, I should do some And work. more importantly, have a glass of wine, I think. <laughs> oh, nice. Listen, bless you, mate. I know I speak on behalf of all the listeners to say we are thinking of you. You are in our thoughts. <laughs> oh, that's kind of everyone. As I said, look, look, it's nothing really. And there are people out there who... Yeah, are really enjoying hardship, and particularly in places like Turkey and Syria. So, yes, you know, yeah, I don't want to make too much of this, but I've appreciated people getting in touch, and 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 that's been really nice of them. So, thank you very much. Yes, and thank you everyone who writes into the podcast. As always, so appreciate it. If you do want to write in to us, it's Joe at midfaithcrisis.org. Love to hear from you. Always try and reply to them. So, um, thank you for everyone who does that. Mm. And thank you to everyone who recommends the podcast, as we heard at the beginning. That's lovely. And uh, particularly as well, everyone who supports us. That's really helpful uh, as well. So thank you very much. And we will hopefully be back with you next week. And um, hopefully I think life will be a bit more clearer. (laughs) Let's hope so. (laughs) Bless you all. Thank you for listening. 